and welcome to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Got a few LSU things to get into this week. Um, plus, hey, guess what? It is finally game week as LSU is set to host the Mississippi State Bulldogs this Saturday. All 25,000 of you are going to be able to go enjoy that one. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, but before we do, just wanted to check in with the co-host, uh, see how you guys are doing. So, uh, so yeah, guys, uh, lay, lay it on me. How, how, how goes it? You know, it's good to be back with you again, Scott. Uh, it's kind of weird. Like, it doesn't feel like we've, we haven't previewed a game. I haven't previewed a football game and I mean, over, you know, it feels like forever. It feels like a year, yeah. but I guess since the national championship, this is, we haven't previewed a football game and, uh, we haven't previewed an LSU football or an LSU sporting event at all, really, since since like February. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's 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 kind of weird. It hasn't really set into me yet that we're gonna do this, but um, I mean, here we go. Bring it on. Yeah, it was always kind of up in the air. We had the the countdown to September fifth, the original day, for a while, and that was kind of ticking down and down. But you always kind of had in the back of your mind that like oh, it's not really gonna happen. And then obviously that was correct when they push it back to the 26th. So we've had to, to readjust there and it's almost kind of snuck up on us. It's like, wow, recording on Monday. So we got five days until LSU football, but uh, it's very exciting. Um, I was allotted two uh, tickets for the game of my four. So hopefully me and one lucky other <laughs> will be in the stadium for that, but it's better than nothing. So uh, excited to see LSU sports live and in person for the first time in a very long time. And, can't wait to talk about that with y'all. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's I feel like it's it's just such a different feel, you know, this week because people are excited, but it's you know it's just it's not the it's not quite the same. You know, the stadium is going to be basically a quarter or less full, no tailgating, and you know, just kind of uh, we're not really sure what to expect from this team. You know, I, I know there's a lot of talent returning, but we did lose a lot of talent. Um, but you know, they're going up against first year head coach, Mike at 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 Mississippi state. That is Mike Leach, uh, who actually just named his starting quarterback, who, uh, who's actually a grad transfer from Stanford, KJ Costello. So uh, I don't know the Bulldogs, they're starting all the way over. So I don't know. I think that kind of would help LSU. Uh, plus, you know, LSU starting in their new defense with Bo Pelini. So, I don't know. It's, it's, I agree with you, Tommy. It's just a weird week. You know, it's, it's the games this Saturday, but it still feels like a week and a half or more away. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's been so long that we've been expecting something, you know, we're just kind of twisting in the wind there for a while Mm -hmm. until the uh, SEC decided something and then the schedule came out and you know, all that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Are you guys like excited about this week? I mean, it didn't really feel like a usual, you know, startup to the year, but I don't know. I mean, I, we, we were getting what we wanted. The games start this Saturday. So uh, how, how are you guys looking, looking towards this game? I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way, Daniel, but like, I feel like there's just no energy right now. Maybe that'll change oh. as we get closer, but like, you know, we talked about it before. We talked about like how, how Baton Rouge, especially like the town itself, like, you know, there's a feeling kind of, and I just feel like it's not, it's not there right now. And that disappoints me. I, I still, I feel the same way about, I watched, I've watched college game day both both times it's been on so far. Um, you know, it's not the same. Uh, 
the game, I think, I think actually watching the games on the TV is pretty similar. Like I, I haven't really seen like a lack of, I haven't really lost interest, but like, this isn't, this isn't the same, but I think that the coverage, the lead up, the, the, the aura around it, it's just not the same. And I hope that, you know, uh, that that changes when the SEC starts to play, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think you're, you're kind of right. A lot of it may have to do with the, the whole ticket situation and people not really, students especially, not really being able to commit and say like, all right, I'm going to the game. I'm making this game day plans. I'm going to tailgate here. And then we're going to roll out as a big group. So not, people aren't really hyping that up so much, at least the, what I've seen. And then plus there's like not so many students on campus and just kind of out and about. So that kind of keeps things toned down a bit. I think if this Saturday goes well and uh, people are, are out there having fun and the uh, the Corona police aren't cracking down too hard, then it'll kind of liven things up for the next ones in the future. And that might be a little uh, more fun. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, uh, how, like if, if like, you know, DHS is, is on site trying to like arrest people at the, uh, you know, at any point when you pull down your mask to breathe or something, or if it's going to be kind of like that footage that I don't know if y'all saw from uh, Oklahoma, where it was like Oklahoma kind of had the same like regulations, like, Oh, you know, you got it. You can't, don't get too close to each other, you know, be, be safe, whatever. But like there was about 50,000 kids just like partying. So I wonder if it's going to be like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, Hey, don't, don't get too close to each other. And then they just, nobody says anything about it or, if uh, LSUPD is just going to be on a power trip. Right. Uh, but then there's, there's also what goes on inside the stadium too, because you would think, all right, well, uh, it's not quite the same year. You know, some people might treat it differently. Uh, I mean, but there has been no shortage of, you know, like excitement or good games, upsets, comeback victories, you know, especially the, the last week. But, you know, just over the first two weeks, it seems like anything can happen. Uh, I mean, we kind of have to expect that, but uh, hopefully LSU doesn't, you know, sit back on their laurels and they're like ready to go. Because, I mean, they did lose a lot of people, but there's plenty of guys that have a chance to prove themselves. You know, number one being Miles Brennan, but um, uh, there's a few other people I think, you know, might have some stuff to prove too because uh, the Tigers released, you know, some some number some new number assignments that being the coveted number seven and number 18. Uh, so Jacoby Stevens got number seven and number 18 will be split by uh, running back Chris Curry and, and linebacker Damone Clark, all very deserving. So I don't know. I, we, we had talked about this before. I think you said at times like, do you, you can't give seven to anybody. But I mean, they gave it to Jacoby Stevens. Do you, do you, uh, do you agree with that, or you think they should have just left it blank for this year? Uh, I, you know, I think that if there was somebody, I guess who, who to pick, he's probably the obvious choice. But I also don't think that. Um, I mean, it, I think there's a reason why he didn't get it. Why, why they chose Jamar Chase over him in the, in the first place. Right. So. I'm glad I'm happy for him. I like him a lot. I think he's a great player. I actually thought he was going to be 18. I was pretty sure he was going to be. Yeah, 18. That's kind of the general thought. Cause he's, he's a good playmaker, but he's also kind of that like leader. He's that leader and he came back for his senior year. So, you know, I think it's a, a little bit, um, uh, you know, it's almost like one, a choice, but, uh, good for him. I'm excited about it. 
you know, it, it's always cool to see who get who gets the number or whatever. I think that he's probably the uh, the only person. You know, it's Derek Stingley maybe, but I think he's kind of said he wants to keep twenty four, and uh, it might be a little bit too early for him. And then after after Derek Stingley, after Jamar, you know, Jamar Chase, I guess you could go Terrace Marshall, but I'm not really sure about that. So it seemed like he was pretty much the only option. Yeah, they were kind of out of other choices, so it's it's reasonable, and I think he'll wear it well. And then for the 18s, like we never really saw, we saw, saw a decent amount of Chris Curry and Damone Clark kind of in backup roles last year, but expect both of them to really fill that out this year and, and step up in the offense and defense respectively and uh, lead the team. So I think those are reasonable choices for players that maybe the, the casual fan might not be so familiar with, but the, the LSU faithful will be looking for uh, in action this year. And I think the casual fan will get to know them, especially, especially Chris Curry. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, Damone Clark, he's going to be playing opposite Jabril Cox. And I feel like I'm hoping to see kind of a Jacob Phillips, uh, Patrick Queen type relationship with them where, you know, they're both the very productive inside linebackers. Um, So, you know, I I think that's a good sign that he's he's obviously, uh, you know, months months ago when we were covering this season to begin with, we were concerned about the linebacking core and then a key pickup of Jabril Cox and now um, a, a huge vote of confidence in giving 18 to Demo Clark. I think that kind of says, says what needs to be said about how strong our linebacking core is going into the first game. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not just what they've done on the field. I, you know, I feel like 18 is, you know, more just like it's some of it's based on this player's character. Like I remember when they gave it to Richard Murphy, you know, it's because he came back from an injury and, you know, just did so well. He had a positive attitude and just had such a, a positive impact on the team uh, as he was going through that process. And that's kind of why they gave it to him. So I imagine, you know, there's some stuff that the fans can see on why they might give someone 18, but there's stuff that, you know, like only the players and people within the program can see. Kind of like Caleb on as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. He, his, his breakout game is where he tore his ACL and he was out for the rest of the season. He had a great game against Miami and then got injured. So you're right. Like the kind of injury, you know, coming back from adversity and, and showing leadership, but I also, they don't give it to a scrub. Right. So <laughs> I, I think, that, I think they're going to, we're going to see, see more production out of 18 uh, on the dif- defensive side of the ball. Like we've kind of grown accustomed to over the years. Right. Oh, definitely. Um, and, you know, just congrats to them. I, I feel like for the ones that deserve it, you know, they're going to carry it on. And for the ones that, you know, might've been surprised, I think they'll rise up to the challenge. You know, I, I always thought Damone Clark had high potential, you know, they were talking about him well last year. He had really good outings. So, uh, you know, I think he's, if anything, that's just a further motivation for him. Um, and you know, with all that, we have the season all in front of us. So we could talk about what's going to happen, but we figured why not let's just lay it all out there right here and right now and just lay out a bunch of predictions right here on talking tigs before the season starts. So that's what we're going to do for you folks. Uh, and so for that, I am actually going to uh, toss it over to you, Daniel. You can, uh, you can kind of kick us off and then we'll just, we'll just follow in behind you here. Kind of like a big cat drill. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we got some big predictions for this season. So why don't you start us off with your, uh, your biggest and best and we'll, we'll just go from there. 
Yeah, so I kind of got a good amount here. I got them all written down on my big cheat sheet. Thomas cheating off my cheat sheet right now. I can't look at it, really surprised. Um, but I, I guess we can go ahead and start off with just the overall record, uh, what we think the Tigers are going to do. Um, I've got every game broken down by win or loss. And so I guess uh, I'll go ahead and, and say that my prediction for the overall record for LSU football this year is 7-3 and three, uh, with losses to – the Florida Gators away, uh, the Auburn Tigers away, Ooh. and also Alabama at home. So kind of a, a mixed bag there. I think that the losses to Alabama and Florida are pretty commonly predicted. And then Auburn is, to me, kind of the quote-unquote key game mm. because a, there's a pretty big difference between an 8-2 and two season with like two losses that you kind of expect or like accept, and then a 7-3 and three season, which may be a little bit of a disappointment especially after the success of last year. And uh, then that puts you in third place in the SEC West, and that's not really where you want to finish. So I think if we can step up and take down Auburn, then we're looking in a good place. But right now I have them penciled in as a loss there. But I think a 7-3 and three is, is still decent given the, the loss of production that we had. Um, Tommy, what you thinking? Uh, you know, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. The number right now is right at, your, is right at you. Like the odds makers have it at LSU over or under seven. Um, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And I think seven and three is a, is like a very, uh, possible, uh, you know, outcome for LSU. I feel like, I feel like we, I think we go eight and two. I, I think the three games that you outlined are our trouble spots, but I think out of the Florida and uh, Auburn game, I think we win one of them. I don't know which one we win, but I think that those are kind of coin flips. Um, you know, I, I do kind of right now blind. I do feel like Alabama is going to be our, obviously our most challenging game. I think anybody could tell you that. Um, although I also, you know, in this, in this year we've already seen, and Scott, you kind of talked about it to begin with, like with the way college football is right now, everything's so sloppy teams who are, who are supposed to win by a ton get blown out games that are supposed to be easy wins end up being you know real close going to overtime I, I i think that i think that anything can happen in this game i mean in this season it, something also i would look for is for lsu and this is maybe this is not what lsu fans want to hear but um you know you know lsu used to have kind of before this was a less miles like trademark um lsu would go and let's just say like they go four and oh they beat florida and then they go and lose to south carolina just the inexplicable loss. Yeah, the classic letdown. And it's just like it makes no sense. And then after that, like I could, to- I could totally see LSU going four and zero, beating Florida, losing to South Carolina, beating Auburn, playing Alabama really close, and then winning out and finishing eight and two. But then the the big asterisk is like you lost to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So um, I think in this year, you know, more than any, like those kind of that like. A, a sneaky kind of letdown trap game is something to really look out for. Um, but I'm going to go eight and two. I, th- I think that LSU will outperform. Okay. Uh, I kind of want to agree with you, Tommy. I, I was thinking eight and two, but when you started listing the losses, um, I think there's two, possibly three. So I'm, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put it at like, we're going to lose two and a half games here uh, with the, I don't know. To me, the, the two that scare me would be Florida and Auburn because 
you know, both of those will be on the road. And those are, you know, one of the few teams in the, at least in our division, but in the SEC who have a starting quarterback coming back uh, in Kyle Trask, who's got a lot more seniority. I think the guy's like 27. Just kidding. I don't know how old he is, but he's like pretty old. Uh, and then uh, Bo Nix, you know, he's, he's no spring chicken, but I mean, he's, he's a sophomore, but uh, you know, Auburn, I don't know. They, it's always a tight game between LSU and Auburn and it's usually like a touchdown or a field goal away. So that one being on the road with their, you know, quarterback that has more experience. I don't know. That one scares me more Alabama. I don't know. Like, like you said, there's, it's been kind of chaotic so far. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'd have to wait and see what Alabama's quarterback's going to do. You know, if, if that works out because, you know, they got to replace people too. They lost a lot of people. Also, they lost their starting quarterback. Uh, they didn't lose any coaching staff really for the first time in, you know, like the last few years, but uh, you know, they've got some people to replace. Lost too, the strength but I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, he's got to start. Maybe uh, Saban's got to start over from scratch now. <laughs> well, um, the, now a lot of the Alabama insiders consider, they considered Scott Cochran, who was a strength coach to be a, like a centerpiece of that program. Um, on the flip side though, and kind of the, the speculation as to why he was, why he was kind of, I don't, he wasn't fired. He took a job with Georgia as a special teams coach. And they say it's because he wanted to, uh, to become more of a on field type coach and actually coach football and not just do the strength program. But uh, a lot of people speculate that, that his departure is due to Alabama uh, kind of uh, uh, injury issues that they've had over the past couple of years probably the most you know notable dylan moses the starting linebacker who was out for the season last year people say that um that their strength program really kind of predisposed them to injuries yeah it's interesting uh, yeah i mean you you could make that argument if if you just didn't have a good strength coach but i mean i mean injuries happen too like to his injury I don't know if that anything had to. I don't know if that had anything to do with uh, the strength or conditioning he was doing. It was just you know we all saw the injury. Uh, you know it's kind of like Bo Jackson's injury way back in the day. It was just you know he just landed on it wrong. I, I don't know if the, the best athlete in the best shape could you know come away from that un untarnished. So I, I don't know, but you know it's their program. I think that Tommy Moffat and and Jack Marucci would probably would would absolutely say that that their approach to strength conditioning, rehab, training, um, I don't know if they would say that it prevents injuries, but I, I know that they're very um, into being on like the forefront of sports medicine and trying to rehab athletes, and that we've had you know a, a lot of success with athletes coming off serious injury and having great you know seasons afterwards. So maybe that's kind of what they're looking at too is. Mm. Um, you know, that I guess that's something to look for though. Yeah, and for sure we hope that now that type of thing happens early in the season, like with Kilwan Chase on you were talking about the Miami game where you lose them. Uh and I guess to kind of steer it back, the other big question mark game that a lot of people are pointing at is the A and M game. I was about to, I was about to say that. Yeah, it's where we're we're going back into college station. Last time we were there is the highest scoring game in college football history. And then we waxed them at home last year. So A and M's getting a lot of hype this year. The Aggies are uh are fired up and they think they're going to get some revenge, but I just don't really see it. Um, so you'd say that they're they are pretenders, not contenders. Uh, exactly. I think they will be better than last year. And it's going to be closer than our game last year it was like 40 something to 
seven, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't think they'll they'll take us out. And then the South keep our record semi clean there. I think that I think that is a, a another one to circle. Um, I I feel like uh, I, I am a little bit more low on a And M. I just don't have any faith in Kellen Mond. You know, you've been hearing that he's going to be the top quarterback in the SEC for years now, and and he really hasn't done anything to inspire inspire me. <laughs> but um, I think that's another one. And you know, this is this is not uh, this is an LSU team that's. I feel like there's going to be some bumps of the road, and it's a young team. It's a uh, it's a lot of turnover. It's a lot. It's an inexperienced team all on top of the whole like weird, not really playing in the spring, weird summer practices, all that. So that's definitely another one that, that, you know, you can't sleep on A&M, I guess, especially at at home. Right. And I would, I would add this in in addition to what you guys already said. And (laughs) I don't know, there's, there's definitely something to be said about a team that thinks they're your rival and they're getting up for it when you might not think so. You know, I have a feel like A&M feels like, oh, yeah, the rivalry's back. And those students, after winning one, after like seven, eight straight losses, you know, they feel like, oh, yeah, we, we got LSU this year. So they might be up more for this game than LSU might. So that would be my only caution. I hope the, you know, Coach O and, ha- and, and the rest of the coaching staffs, uh, you know, got these guys prepared, like to not take it lightly because that's just what you don't want. Some team thinking this is some huge rivalry you know, like UCF versus everybody, basically. Uh, and then, you know, LSU just, you know, has, has something happen where they just, you know, they, it's a game they should have won, and uh, A&M just kind of willed it to happen. Kind of like yeah. the seven overtime game. Uh, but anyway, um, so getting back to the predictions, uh, Daniel, what, what did you have uh, next? All right, so next on the list, we have uh, MVPs for LSU, both offensive and defensive players you think uh, will be the most valuable, not necessarily have the most yards or the most tackles, whatever, but will be making the, the biggest impact. And so I guess I'll go ahead and, and lead it off with my offensive MVP is uh, Terrace Marshall. Hmm. And so Tommy mentioned he might be getting the, the seven, and I think that was a good choice, but uh, obviously they passed him over for it. And he was the third option in the receiving game last year. But at one point, he was leading the nation in touchdowns, I think after week like three or four, uh, before he got a little bit banged up. And then he came back on strong towards the end with that kind of clutch catch against Clemson in the national championship, among others. And so I really see him stepping into that wide receiver one role, being uh, Miles Brennan's go-to, and really just having a breakout year and, and continuing the tradition of, of weight great of great wide receivers <laughs> that we've had at LSU uh, on the defensive side uh, I'm going with you can't can't argue with a Derek Stingley yeah. and I think he, he might be a unanimous pick here but he kind of transcends the cornerback position and elevates everyone around him to where he just isolates a whole half of the field and that's really something you can't ask for much more of I don't know who wants to go next with theirs uh, I have a feeling like I should go. Uh, no reason, not like Tommy wanted me to. But, uh, yeah, um, offensively, that was a good pick, Daniel. I, you know, I mean, I, I could definitely see that. I guess I'm going to go with um, the, the unknown right now, but the one with the most, I guess, the most uh, expectation, and that would be Eric Gilbert. Uh, I feel like there's just – 
there's so much um, momentum going behind this guy for what he can be for the Tigers. And, you know, just like as soon as he got to campus and after the coaches kind of saw him play, there's been no letdown from that. So uh, I feel like without even watch the guy take a snap, take a down snap, whatever, without even seeing him take a uh, take a catch in a Tiger uniform, I don't know. I'm going to go with Eric Gilbert. And I feel like at least for the first few games, you know, where because, you know, these guys, they have film on LSU, but not much because everyone's <laughs> gone, basically. But they definitely don't have film on Eric Gilbert. So that's something that the Tigers haven't really had in the last few years. So it's like a dominant tight end. So that's going to be a few games to where someone can – it's going to be before they can game plan against him to see LSU uses him. Hopefully, you know, they'll have some more wrinkles by then. But that would be my offensive MVP, sight unseen. And defensively, yeah, you kind of took it from me. I was going to say Derek Stingley. I guess, you know, in case we all say Derek Stingley, I would also say – I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to say Jabril Cox too, sight unseen, just because of you know the, the the potential he has and you know the film that we saw on him before he transferred. Uh, I don't know. It's like that that could be an obvious choice too. Um, I could also say Neil Farrell too, because now that he's back, you know, there's going to be some lineman that could really have a big year. You know, with this whole three four to four three four three to three four switch with Bo Pelini, but. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Derek Stingley, but I guess for now, Jabril Cox. I'll, I'll be the outlier for right now. So, uh, all right, Tommy, who, who do hey, you so, got? So I'm going to take a page out of the uh, time person of the year kind of thing, how they can switch it up. My offensive MVP is going to be the offensive line because I think that the, I think that the only way that LSU can, can really succeed is if they have good offensive line play. We can all agree that, you know, we don't have the Heisman Trophy winner yet, and maybe we do, but as of right now, going into the season, we don't, we don't, we, it's, it's unlikely that Mac, that Miles Brennan is going to put out the same production as, as Joe Burrow. And we are, I think we're going to be relying a lot more on the run game. We've got three great running backs. Why wouldn't we hand it to them? Um, I think that we're going to, you know, I think Miles is going to need more time. I don't. I think. I think it's fair to say he's not as athletic and shifty as Joe was. So, I think that if for LSU to have any success, they're going to have to have good offensive line play, and that's a that's a position group that's had a lot of question marks. Uh, you know, they picked up Liam Shanahan, and then of course you got Austin Deckless coming back. But other than that, there's a, there's a lot of kind of. Um, question about who's going to start you know are, do we we still got ed ingram all that but it, it's not the that core group that won the best offensive line award last year so that's going to be my most valuable player in that we need them it's almost kind of like uh when when peyton manning went down with that injury and he was gone for the what for that whole year with the, the indianapolis and they lost every single game you know the, and there was a lot of people saying oh like he he is actually the most valuable player in the NFL even though he didn't even play a single snap this year because without him they were so bad i think that without a good offensive line we're going to have a lot of trouble um and then my defensive mvp is, is actually I, i'm actually with you scott i'm going to say Jabril Cox not to take anything away from Derek Stingley but i think that kind of similar in order to have the new Bo Pelini uh, defense work you're going to need very excellent uh middle linebacker play uh 
now coach O has said multiple times that like since day one, since, since Cox has been on the, on the uh, roster that he's the best defense player, you know, that he's seen, he's a generational talent, all this kind of stuff. We know Derek Stingley's going to put out that production. He's going to be great. But I think that the most valuable player in the way, you know, in order to have a, a an extremely successful defensive season, which I think we will, Jabril Cox is going to have to be an A plus player. Yeah, that all yeah. makes sense. And then I guess we can go ahead on into it. So the next one category I had was for your breakout or most improved player because we've had obviously a lot of departures from last year, so a lot of opportunity for people to either step up, and then we had a few grad transfers too. Uh, so for me, my most uh, or my breakout player, we've actually talked about him already, is Damone Clark, outside linebacker. And I think he'll really step up and just play on the next level. He was really good in the backup of our solid linebacking core last year. And obviously they gave him 18 for a reason. They trust him. And so he'll slot in right next to uh, Drabil Cox. And then I think he'll play kind of the rangy linebacker, similar to Patrick Queen last year, who was good two years ago, but he really stepped his game up last year, obviously propelled into a first-round NFL pick. And I think Damone Clark can do the same uh, because I think that's the position group where we have kind of a lot of questions along with the, the line maybe. But I think he'll solidify that and then really tighten things up for the defense. So look for big things from 18. No, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I'm excited about him. I'm excited to see him and him and Jabril Cox kind of, you know, going back and forth. Kind of similar, like like I said earlier about them, about Queen and uh, Phillips. I think my um, my like most improved player or breakout player is actually going to be Cordell Flott because we, you know, when we when you talk cornerbacks at LSU, there's only one name that comes up is Derek Stingley. He's the best. He's the best in college football. He was the best freshman last year. He's the best. He's the best. He's the best. But I think that we're like, we're going to, obviously you got to play with more than one quarterback and people have been very high on Cordell Flott. They say he's great. Derek Stingley, you know, he tweets about him all the time. He's like, you know, me and Cordell. I think that, I think that there's a lot of questions, you know, how are we going to, um, how are we going to navigate getting away from Christian Fulton, him leaving, you know, who's going to be that number two. And I think Cordell Flott's going to do a really good job as the, as that other cornerback, uh, you know, opposite Derek Stingley. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree with you. Uh, in fact, you know, if I was to base it specifically on, well, I don't know. I, I almost want to say Todd Harris, but he, he wouldn't be, he would just be coming back from an injury. That's, that's why I would want to pick him. And we don't even know when that would be, but yeah, I would say breakout Cordell Flott. You know, he can't be most improved because, you know, he hasn't had as much action. So for, for like most improved uh, player, I'm actually going to switch it back to the offense and go with, uh, I'm going to have a one A and one B and that would be John Emery and Tyron Davis price. Uh, Tarion had some some good flashes last year. Uh, you know, it just uh, you know, it just at some point it was all about Clyde and Joe and the rest of the offense. You know, we I think we didn't even really see much of the running backs until like you know late in games, later in the year. So, and I think you know it was John Emery that actually had some uh, some ball security issues early on, and that's why we kind of didn't see him as much. But you know, since LSU's offense is not going to be the same. And, you know, we're going to rely on these three running backs. You know, we don't really have like a number one running back. It's going to be all these three. So I'm hoping that those two uh, can be the most improved and kind of carry on the offense. I, I don't say Chris Curry because 
I don't know. He always seemed kind of steady to me. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, he was just a good, powerful runner. Uh, it was just John Emery that had some issues early on. And, you know, we, we kind of didn't see him for a while. So I'm hoping those are all fixed and we're going to see more of him and we're going to see great things and why they recruited him. He was like, what, one of, if not the top running back in the country at the time. So mm-hmm. those would be my most improved slash breakout players. I think John Emery is definitely another name to watch. I, I'm very excited about him. I hope he can, you know, have a lot of, I hope he has a lot of improvement because we need him to, you know, he was yeah. such a highly touted player, extremely talented. I, I think that one thing you can definitely say is that after his LASIK surgery, he probably has the most improved eyesight on the team. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is his season. He's seeing 2020 now. But, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> I actually heard that joke earlier this today. So, uh, wow, twice in a day and I'm hearing that, well, he got 2020 vision this year. <laughs> Uh, well done. All right, Daniel, let's keep it moving quickly. Uh, what, what was your next, uh, prediction? All right. So, so the next kind of category is, is just bold predictions. And so the first one is going to be a bold prediction. That's good for LSU. This could be about a player or the team as a whole. Uh, mine is about the team. And that is that LSU's defense is going to lead the sec in scoring defense over oh. the course of the year. And that's, in my opinion, a pretty bold claim considering we lost like eight out of 11 starters, but I think it's not too unreasonable when you think about it, uh, given the strength of our secondary with Stingley and Jacoby Stevens and uh, uh, Cordell Flott. And then we've picked up big names in the linebacking cores, Reveal Cox. And then our run defense was actually kind of an underrated strength last year mm-hmm. uh, with between Tyler Shelvin and Glenn Logan. Uh, and obviously with Tyler Shelvin sitting out, that takes a big hit. But we've got some big run stuffers that can come up in there. And so as vaunted as the offense was last year, and uh, we obviously had a bunch of good defensive players too. I think they really kind of come together as a unit and just uh, shut people out and kind of take us back to the SEC defense of old for LSU when they would keep people like 15 points a game. Uh, so look for them to, to make big plays. No, I think, I think you're spot on. Cause like that was kind of my, my bold prediction was not really that not the takeaways or not scoring defense, but I think LSU is going to have one of the top defenses of the country. Um, and I don't even think it's any, I don't even think it's like a, I, I kind of struggle to even say like, Oh, that's a bold prediction. Cause I think it's almost set in stone. Uh, you know, if you, the way that the way that coach O, the way that the players and the way that, that some of the people who are on the inside are talking about this LSU defense is the way they talked about the offense last year. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it, it is the whole, like, just wait till you see it. You know, like we're seeing things we've never seen before. This is the best we've ever seen. And I, you know, we kind of slept on it last year. We said, oh, wait, wait and see. I'm diving in now because I want to be able to say three weeks from now, five weeks from now, 10 weeks from now, when LSU's got the top defense in the SEC and everybody says where to come from, I say, well, I believed when, it, when I heard it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that we're going to have one of the top defenses of this, in the SEC in the nation. Um, and I, I actually think a bold prediction, I think, would be, I think we're going to go back to – we're not, I don't think we're going to go back to the less miles era, you know, but I think we're going to go back to a, a defensive centric team. Um, kind of like how, you know, it seems kind of like how Ohio state plays, that plays the game or um, how Alabama used to play where the defense really, you know, and that's your lockdown unit. And then you throw the ball around and, you know, try to put up a lot of points, but really that, that defensive units, what keeps you in games, 
Whereas last year, the offense is what kept us in games. Absolutely. What about yeah. you, Scott? Well, I'm going to say – well, I, I, I'll, I'll toss out two predictions. Uh, one is actually a compliment to what you guys are saying. And as, you guys, as high as you guys are on the defense, I'm going to say that's what's going to be for me on special teams. Uh, Coach O said something this week about he feels like the Tigers need to step up and uh, kind of go back to those days to where they, you know, they could rely on special teams to get them points, you know, mm-hmm. drastically change field position, score defensive touchdowns, you know, just anything that you can think about back in, uh, you know, Honey Badger era, stuff like that. But, you know, LSU did have really good special teams play for many years. It doesn't seem like they've had it lately. Um, I mean, they're still, they, they named some, you know, return specialists. Uh, I think he's got Derek Stingley and, or um, Trey Palmer returning punts. You know, he's going to have some running backs and Trey Palmer returning uh, kickoffs. But uh, I feel like LSU, if they can get some really good special teams play, they can get them, you know, seven to three points per game. I feel like that can make a difference because, that's what's been missing. You know, I mean, last year they didn't need it. You know, like you said, Tommy, the, the offense was the star of that 2019 uh, football show. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, they're not going to have that this year. So they gotta, they're going to they're gonna have to find those points in different areas. And I think special teams is going to be one of those areas where they could. They've got plenty of talented people. It's just to find the right people and the right times and the right positions to make it happen. But LSU's had some success there in the past, you know. Um, uh, OBJ, you know, Odell Beckham, uh, the Honey Badger, Tyran Matthew, before Patrick that, Peterson. Skylar Green, Trinan Holiday. You can go back. There's, there's been DJ Shark even recently. Uh, there's been plenty of people that can do it. It's just finding that and making it consistent as like an integral aspect of the game instead of just, you know, kind of like your kicking game. All right, well, we, we couldn't score a touchdown. I guess we can just kick. You know, it's like kicking can win you games. Punt returns can win you games if you – plan for it so that's my bold prediction is that LSU's special teams is going to get back to the I guess somewhat glory days of when they could always be a threat and then my other prediction is um I don't remember what we averaged last year I know the points I know it's probably in the 40s right offensively but I feel like for the year LSU will average no less than 30 points a game that's my other bold prediction um I guess I'm relying somewhat on the special teams and possibly some defensive scoring that uh, might be out there, but I don't feel like LSU is going to take that much of a step back that, you know, they're going to be scoring 13 points a game every other game. I I feel like they have the talent and they have the, uh, you know, mostly the same coaches. So that's my other bold prediction. I know I can't really back that up with much right now, but that's why it's bold. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, very good. Thank you, Scott. And then so now it's time to for a somber note, which is our bad bull predictions for LSU. Things we may think that the Tigers will will fall into some some pitfalls here. And so you were talking about LSU's high scoring offense. You think this year? Uh, Long time listeners of the podcast may remember me <laughs> last year. Before, we did a similar type of thing before the season, and I said this was after Joe Burrow was saying we were going to score 40, 50, 60 a game. And I was a non-believer. I said, if LSU scores 60 in a game, then I'll buy a Joe Burrow jersey. And I think it happened in week three against Northwestern State. And then yep. it happened again twice, I think, 
in the season. Uh, and I did it. I bought the jersey and I ate my words, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. This year, <laughs> I'm doubling down. <laughs> I'm going back to the well. And not only will we not score 60 in a game, I don't even think we touched 50 in a game. Really? I think, yeah, I think the offensive aggression is going to be pretty extreme from last year. Uh, I think we'll still be a good offense, but definitely not the same level. We'll score some in the 40s, but especially in an all-SEC schedule where you don't have the cupcakes, you can't rack it up on them. There's no Northwestern State where you can just hang 60 and leave. Daniel, I'm sorry, but I think Missouri begs to differ. That's true. We do have Mizzou and Vanderbilt on the schedule. Uh, but I think we just move backwards. And Miles Brennan is definitely capable and will score some points. But I'm not going to put any bets on it this year. I'm not going to buy a Miles Brennan jersey. That'd just be too many jerseys. But I don't think that we even score 50 in one game this year. But it's okay because my good prediction was that the LSU defense picks up the slack so we can still win a lot of games. Yeah. I, I, think, my, I think my bold prediction – um, I, in my gut tells me we're not going to make the playoff. And I think, and I, I, I feel like the bolt, my bold part of this prediction would be, I think it's going to be come down to one of those situations where we could make it. We're in contention, you know, we're an eight and two team. Maybe, maybe there's some other craziness. Maybe Ohio state's lost a game, but they're like the champion of the big 10. Maybe the sec beats them, beats each other up. And there's some, you know, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of one, two loss teams kind of going for it. I think we might get one of those situations where we're left out and where everyone's going to be super sour because we could have made it in this. You know, this was what we could like. There's a big, a, a strong case as to why we should be in the playoff. And I think we're going to get left out. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I'm having a. I guess I'm having a tough time coming up with what a, you know, a bold. He's the eternal optimist. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be not. I mean, I think, you know, many pods ago, I made my bad, bold prediction that, uh, you know, I don't know what this, this fall is going to look like. You know, everything seems fine now. All sports are being played. No issues. But, you know, some people say that COVID's supposed to come back you know, again in the fall. And that's, I guess for me, that was what was uncertain. Remember you at me, you asking me a few weeks ago, Tommy, like why I thought that, you know, I, I'm surprised I'll make it past four games. I guess that would be my thing is, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And if something to resurge, you know, it's in a, two, it's three a valid weeks. Concern. Yeah. Um, I guess that would, that's, that's the only bold prediction, you know, to, to the bad news that I would, I would say other than that, I would say, I don't know. It's like, um, I don't even want to say anything about an injury, but, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like that, that can always happen, but I don't know. The only other bold prediction I can think of is, uh, maybe miles Brennan. I don't know. How about this? Maybe we see some more of TJ Finley midway through the season than we would have thought we would have. Yeah, seen. That, that was one I was thinking about too, is that miles Brennan will not be the only quarterback we see. Yeah. The Brennan experiment um, just isn't a resounding but success. I, I, but I actually, I actually do think like, I think that's, I think that's a possibility, but I, I actually think miles is going to be our guy for the year for better, or for worse. I think he's going to be ready. I think he's going to be very adequate and, and, and I, I think he'll get the job done. He's not, I don't, don't expect him to be Joe. Nobody's Joe. Joe is Joe. Mm-hmm. but we, we don't need him to be Joe. We just we, need but him. that's the point. We don't need him to be Joe. We, we just need, need him to be miles. Yeah. We need to be the best miles that he can be. <laughs> exactly. exactly. 
miles ahead. Um, I don't know. Do you have any more uh, pre- predictors for us? Yeah, we had one final category, which was bold prediction for college football as a whole. It can be about any team. It can be about the Corona situation or whatever you want, something you expect off the wall to happen. And so I'll go ahead and lead off with mine, which is uh, I think the Big 12 finally breaks through and wins a playoff game. And you see a Big 12 team. It could be Oklahoma. It could be Texas. It could be some other team. Uh, in the CFB championship. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think uh, I think you'll see a Big 12 team finally do it. Oklahoma's, I believe, 0-4 uh, in the first round, and no other Big 12 team has even made the playoff. But uh, they'll they'll I think if there's any year for them, this is the year because they'll kind of run through the schedule, and who knows what's going to happen elsewhere, and so they might just take the next step. So if you're a Sooners fan, this may be good news for you. Uh. I don't know if this is really a bold prediction, but I've been thinking a lot about ever since the Big Ten came back and and the way that it's kind of set up, the way that they have their season aligned. I think that this is setting up more and more for Ohio State to t- to just run away with it. Um, I think that I think that basically like they've had they get they're gonna get they've gotten more. I don't want to say rest because like they haven't really. It's not like they got. It's not like they're coming off games and resting, but they've had more time to really kind of quote unquote practice because uh, they're starting the season long, or, you know, later they're, they're not going to really have to play anybody. They're going to play one game less than everybody. I think the sec is going to beat beat each other up. Now I think we'll be fine. You know, I, I don't think that it's going to be like, we're all going to come out, you know, six and four or whatever, just go back beating each other up. But um, I think they're going to be able to walk through the big 10 and uh and get in the playoff. And I saw, you know, I think, I think on game day last week, they were given a lot of their, they were changing their playoff bracket predictions. And a lot of people had Clemson, a Clemson, Ohio state kind of rematch in the, in the national championship. But I kind of think that's a a logical one and I could see Ohio state winning it. Um, But yeah, that's my, I think that's my prediction. I think Ohio state is going to, you know, walk away with it and end up in the national championship and probably win it. Well, I would say this. And like walk away with it. You mean their regular season? Yes. Yeah. How is and that? I think, I think they're going to have to play. I think they'll play two, a, a two game season. They'll play a, a, uh, a playoff <laughs> game and a national championship and they'll, and there's a decent chance they go undefeated two and O and win the national championship. Right. Well, I guess that depends how the playoff sitting is. Cause you know, if they play Clemson again first then uh, you know, who knows, uh, especially if there's an errant, pass interference call but it's like what how is that different from any other year though um i guess that's my thought is you know who who in the big 10 is really going to challenge them uh because you just i, I don't know nobody stands out uh so, but i mean I, I don't disagree with you i would say yeah we i don't know i guess the only thing for me is um if like this year's is just almost easier for them. <laughs> like it's easier than it yeah. usually is. It's like if their schedule is usually like a one, now it's like a negative two. Right. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, I would say I wouldn't be surprised to see Clemson, Ohio State, one to two SEC teams. My my other re- prediction was, though, that this, this could be the year, you know, the whole flying the, the ointment thing we used to talk about with the BCS, you know, some outside team getting in. Like this would be the year yeah. where I think that, that could happen. And I, I have, I have to look no further than like 60 miles <laughs> west of Baton Rouge and Lafayette 
It's like these raging Cajuns, man, they, got, they still got their playoff hopes alive. They came back from behind and they are two and zero, and they they're ranked in the you know in the teens. So I'm not saying it's going to be the Cajuns, although I think that would be hilarious. But I don't know. I feel, I feel like there's like this this could be a year where, uh, and I'm sure Notre Dame's Notre Dame is kicking themselves for actually joining a conference this year. It's like because they have to win that conference to probably make the playoffs. Yeah. It's like you know if you don't take it from Clemson, Clemson's going to the playoffs. You aren't. To so whereas if they had stayed independent and just put a bunch of games together, you know, they, they could be in the playoffs back door like they were in 2012. But uh, I don't know. I feel like this would be the year where maybe some team where it wouldn't normally have a shot at a playoff possibly could. I don't know. I guess that would be my prediction. Uh, I don't know. And I, I think um, the SEC is, it's pretty much up for grabs. You know, there's, there's, there's just so much turnover in the last year. I'd say the SEC is up for grabs. Uh, you know, you could always say Alabama's always, you know, the, the top favorite, but, uh, you know, they haven't, they haven't won uh, the SEC consistently for me. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to say, I would say, um, I say Florida wins the East. That's the other prediction I'll put out there. They finally take it from Georgia because Georgia, you know, they, they're starting over with a, a different quarterback and I don't know if they have the same, the same gusto as they've had. I think Florida is going to have that this year in the East, the West, I don't know. It's too early to call. I'd love to say LSU, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess now the only thing left to do is to, for the first time in 2020, talk about an upcoming game and kind of, you know, well, I don't think we're going to break it down, but just kind of give predictions, what to watch for, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was thinking if we want to just kind of wrap up like a school prediction and what you're going to be doing for game day, then that'll be good. Well, I, I guess I, I – I think any any longtime listener to the podcast knows that I'm terrible at like picking actual numbers that you know saying like oh it's going to be 28 to seven whatever. I I, th- I the way I see this game playing out, I think the defense is going to be the star. We talked about it, you know. If you yeah you know, from the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how I, I'm very high on the defense. Um, I think we're still. I think the defense is going to make a lot of stops and we're going to get the ball a lot of times. But I think that we're going to probably have some trouble. Um, you know, just kind of getting, kind of getting the the gears greased a little bit, probably have a few drives that end in, you know, that probably should be touchdowns that end in field goals, stuff like that. I could see a, a, you know, what, like a 31 to 17 game, 35, 17, something around there. I think we'll let them score. You know, I think, I think Mississippi state with a Mike Leach coached offense is going to score some points and probably get some big plays, some explosive, you know, air raid type plays, but I think uh, all in all, our defense is going to be locked down. And I think we're still going to put up a good amount of points. I mean, if you tell an LSU person two years ago, three years ago, we're going to score 35 points. They'd be pretty excited about about how many points that is, but it's not going to be like Daniel said, it's not going to be, I don't think it's gonna be a 50 point game. And uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of it. I think, I think we'll win by, uh, you know, two or three touchdowns. We'll probably cover. I think that the number is 16 and a half. Um, I think we'll cover, but it's not going to be a blowout. Yeah, you can. Tommy can look at my page right here. I actually had thirty-eight to seventeen written okay. down, so pretty similar to him. And, and I didn't look at the. I, I did that all off the dome. So, and you like know. you said, Mike Leach, this isn't going to be your typical Mississippi State offense. They're traditionally kind of more run-driven. But Mike Leach loves to air it out. He last few years at Washington State, his quarterbacks average like sixty passes a game or something like that. 
So expect to see KJ Costello really try and test our secondary. And I think we're more than up to the challenge, but it's definitely a good kind of appetizer right off the bat. Nothing too hard, but not a, a cupcake either. Yeah. But I think we, we do walk away with it and uh, have some fun out there. I'll be looking forward to being in the stands and cheering the Tigers on with my mask on or not mm. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it should be fun either way and we can uh, report back on the lsu and general baton rouge atmosphere for this next one yep yeah that would, that would be interested to hear what that's like i'm sure it's going to be probably the most exciting ghost town that you could ever see but i i agree with both of you guys as far as you know what mike mike leach is going to do or, or try and do with his quarterbacks. And I don't know, I feel like it's going to go one of two ways, either, you know, LSU has some growing pains with their new defense and their, you know, new personnel on offense. And it kind of takes them a while to get going and maybe Washington's or excuse me, Washington state and maybe uh, Mississippi state's able to take advantage of that at least early on. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they even have a lead and people are going, ah, see, I knew this wasn't the same LSU, but then they'll sell in and they'll figure it out. And they, you know, put a clamp down on it and LSU will score. Or LSU gets way out ahead, uh, but then, you know, Mississippi State starts to figure them out and starts to score points. But by that point, LSU is far enough ahead to where they can win the game. So I'm going to put LSU 38, Mississippi State 28. That is what I'm going to go with. And then one other thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot was don't be surprised if you see some sloppy play oh, yeah. on both sides. We've seen this already in the first two weeks of both college and NFL. I uh, expect maybe some picks, some fumbles, uh, where teams just aren't up to the usual level that they are. Some missed tackles, some yeah. people running through tackles. For sure, just with the, the lack of training due to corona and just kind of first game jitters, obviously. But so I think LSU is typically a pretty well-disciplined team, and Coach O has been on them for a few weeks now, so they'll be good. But especially with all the new players we're starting, don't be surprised if things might look a little bit cringy right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I hope doesn't happen, and I saw it in both college and the pros this past weekend, is teams just taking their foot off the gas with a huge lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at you, Daniel, because I was I actually watched uh, – the the navy and Tulane game and it was bad <laughs> oh my goodness i was thinking i was trying to think of a headline like oh the the green wave topples the navy but it's like i was watching it it was 24 to nothing and i'm like all right cool and then i checked back late at the end of the game and it's tied 24 all and i'm thinking what did was, i miss what was happened? The, the reverse titanic situation the ship rose up from the waves and <laughs> sat on top i guess so old ironsides rises back up uh and cuts the wave uh, but then also, you, you guys, I don't know if you saw the uh, the Falcons game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, I actually saw something where some Falcons fan, like, sent in his resignation letter to the Falcons headquarters saying, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. But, it was yeah, good for I, me because I had Dak Prescott on my fantasy team. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy comeback for the, for the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know that that and um, yeah, just the just the craziness that's happened already. Um, I mean, the, the Cajuns came back and won a game. Uh, Navy came back and won. I don't know. It's, I, hopefully, that's not what happens. Like you said, hopefully, the team is disciplined enough, and let's say they are up twenty-one to nothing, they just don't give it away. 
I don't think they are though. Cause coach O has been pretty good about that. Cause you know, there were plenty of games last year where they, you know, they could have faltered and lost the game, but they didn't. So I, I don't have to worry about that. Um, what else did we have? Uh, I think that's about it. Pretty much it. We had an action packed episode. I hope we got to fire the fans up a little bit and we will see whether all our predictions come crashing down or whether we're accurate. Typically it's more the first than the second, uh, but very excited to see LSU football uh, and college football in general back and looking forward to a great season. Amen. Uh, and, and if, uh, yeah, well, if Mel Kuyper has taught me anything is that uh, you don't have to be right. You just have to make your predictions and put them out there and you can get paid millions to do that. And then uh, you can like switch them the next year and yeah. say you were always on that side anyway. <laughs> you yeah, always exactly. liked him. <laughs> exactly. Todd McShay too, probably. I, I don't know. It's just like anyone that's got a draft module, I just, you know, I just kind of laugh at. I'm like, God, where are you? You can't even go to school for that. That's, that's, that's awesome though. Good for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's the wild west. So who, who knows? We, we could be right though in some of our predictions, which, you know, you, you heard it here first on Talking Tigs if we did. So uh, and if you that didn't, that. we got it from a different podcast. Exactly. <laughs> we, we stole and we're wrong. We're sorry. Uh, any, any final thoughts before we head out? Um, I got nothing. Yeah. You kind well, of already gave it. Yeah. I've read everything I had written out on my paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Uh, um, that's funny. It's like you almost read the, the stage. Off. Blah, 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 bop. Stop speaking. <laughs> Well, you're not supposed to say that part. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Uh, strap in, folks. It's game week. I hope you, uh, if you're able to go to the game, if you're one of the lucky twenty-something thousand, uh, look for Daniel. He'll be uh, he'll be there to to take your reactions to the game and uh, uh, you know have fun as as much as you can in this uh, in this crazy COVID world. But uh, until next time. Stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs.